0: Acts chapter number 12. I want to continue tonight in the message I started last week on giving God the glory he deserves. But before I read the scripture, and you'll hear me say this again Sunday, uh, I want to thank you, church, uh, for supporting the meeting uh, Monday night at the city council meeting. And uh, God granted the victory, and we give him the praise and the glory for all that he's done. You know, the Lord really taught me a lesson uh, that the church really can have influence. We can have as much as we want. Uh, that we must engage the culture at times. That doesn't mean we're going to be down there every week or every month, but uh, when there's issues in our community uh, that come up, I think it's our duty. And I may uh, I'm going to have a staff member. Pastor Ray is going to keep watch on the agenda of all these things that are going on, so that we can stay engaged in our community. And uh, we'll go when we need to. And um, uh, one of the city council members uh, called and asked me, said, would you come down every other month or every three months and just pray with us and pray for us? Amen. And I said, absolutely. I'd love to do that. I'd love to uh, support them. And uh, I thank God uh, that God just uh, intervened in the whole deal. I'll be honest with you. I, I Just personally, I thought we were... I didn't think we would. I didn't think it would go that way, and I, that was my lack of faith in God, I guess. But uh, I'm glad it went the way it went. Yes, and uh, many people's lives will be saved. Not really in salvation, but be saved from destruction of alcohol because of that. I give God the glory, and I know you do. Amen. Acts 12. Yes, Acts 12, verse number 20. Uh, would you stand, please, to give honor uh, to the glory of God? I got a little extra time tonight. They're not going to have choir practice, so. Um, uh, anyway I'm going to take time and try to, try to finish this the Bible says now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon they came to him with one accord and having made Blastus the king's personal aid their friend they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country so on a set day Herod arrayed in royal apparel sat on his throne and gave an oration or a speech to them and the people kept shouting, the voice of a God and not a man. Then immediately the angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. I don't mind dying, but I don't want to die that way. <laughs> the Bible says, but the word of God in the context of giving God glory, but the word of God grew And multiplied, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetriarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, they sent them away. God, tonight, help us to understand what it means to give you the glory that you deserve. And I pray that you'll speak by the Spirit and we would have hearts that would receive it. And God, we would leave this place Spirit-filled for the glory of God In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing, and you can be seated. I said to you that the word glory means to bring praise and honor and give the worthiness, really, of who God is. And giving God glory is a command in the Bible for us. For you're bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your spirit and in your body, which are God's, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And I said to you last week as we look at this passage that the first principle that we see in the context of Herod did not give glory to God, so God struck him. Anytime that a man or a woman is, gets more attention and applause than God, there's something wrong. And So God removed him, but The church, the Word of God, grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul came from Jerusalem and said all that was going on. So I said last week that being disciplined in the Word of God brings glory to God. The Word of God grew. That means that it grew in them. And the Word of God uh, is talking about knowing the Bible. And listen, we're living in an illiterate generation biblically, and we need to know the Bible. Is the Bible growing in you? In other words, the truths of the scriptures begin to increase and were enlarged in the people of Antioch. That brings glory to God. It's knowing the word, and I said to you, it, it's also not, not only knowing the word, but, it, but it's also growing in the word, and it said that the word of God grew and multiplied which simply means that they became full-grown, rich in in the scriptures, something out of the ordinary. And then lastly, I said to you last week that they were showing the word. As Barnabas and Saul, verse 25, returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they had mentored John Mark, the one that that Paul uh, resisted to take at one time, Evidently he went back and got him and brought him in and said he's profitable now for me on this missionary journey. And so it's mentoring and discipling and helping people be connected to the body of Christ. But then the second principle that I see from this passage is devotion to the work of God brings God the glory he deserves. When you study the church at Antioch, if I was going to start a church, Antioch would be a great biblical name. Because this is the model church where they were first called Christians. And when we read these verses about this particular church, we see a great devotion to God among the church at Antioch. Real Bible Christians. I want you to hear me now. Real Bible Christians that give glory to God are devoted to the work of the local church. Now, I know we're living in an era in an age that says, I don't believe that you have to be involved in the church to be a Christian. Show me that in the Bible and I'll get on that train. You can't find anywhere in the epistles, which are the church letters, that any believer was not connected and active in a local body of believers. Because it brings glory to God. Being devoted to the work of God. I'm, I'm talking about more than attending. I'm going to show you from this passage what it means to be devoted to the work of God. But let me me define devotion first. Uh, Devotion is prioritizing your life and schedule to what's most important in your daily life. Listen, we've got to have the proper priorities or we will not bring glory to God. Devotion is when I prioritize my life and schedule to what's most important. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Uh, most people, probably everybody in the room tonight, you have prioritized regardless where you are, what you're doing, what you're about, you have prioritized three times a day, meal times are a priority. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We make time in our work schedule. We make time in our recreation schedule. We make time in our uh, family schedule, vacation schedule, because it's important. And that's a good illustration of devotion. See, the result of being disciplined in the Word is being devoted to the work. Knowledge by itself is just education. But knowledge coupled with devotion is transformation. And so these people were devoted to the the church. and, And when the word of God really begins to work in me, I begin to receive from God in his spirit a desire for the work of God. And so the Bible begins to explain or to define what the work of God or the church is all about. You know, do we really know what the church is about biblically? I mean, what what does the Bible say? Let me define the church for you first. It's the Greek word ekklesia. It means those born again people that have been called out of the world and then called into a body of believers so that they can exercise their spiritual endowment or their spiritual gift that God has given them to edify other believers and to bring glory to God. So I define the church this way. It's a, it's a, it is an assembled body of born-again, baptized. And you need to be baptized the right way, which is by immersion. Some people would take me to task and say, well, I, you know, I just prefer to be sprinkled. Well, you just cannot, it's symbolic. It's a symbol. You cannot, you cannot get the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ from any other mode of baptism other by immersion. And Jesus came up out of the water. So it is a, now listen, it's a, I'm not saying if you sprinkle that you're not a Christian and you're not going to heaven. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying the proper way biblically to be baptized by immersion. So the church is an assembled body of born again, baptized believers that have devoted themselves to carrying out the will of God in their community so that God would be glorified. Now, let me say something to you that was, I was so influenced and so encouraged about Monday night. I saw us not coming to church. I saw us being the church. I saw us being salt and light. And listen, those city council members were influenced. This is just my opinion The outcome would have never been what it was apart from the room being filled, the overflow being filled, and the foyer being filled. One council member said this, in 30 years, I've never seen this many people at a city council meeting. Ladies and gentlemen, the church of Jesus Christ, we are to infiltrate and influence the community. Listen, you don't have to be obnoxious. Just in love. And just let, we're we're a group of born-again, baptized believers that are devoted ourselves to carrying out the will of God in our community for the glory of God. Amen. That's who we are. And so these, so what's the church to be devoted to? I mean, I think it's a great question. It's right in the text. First of all, we're to be devoted to the person of the work of God. Who's the person? Look at verse 2 as they ministered to the Lord. So who is the person of the work? It's Jesus Christ. We're to be devoted to him and God has exalted Christ as the center attraction of everything he does on earth. Everything he does on earth. And the Bible says they minister to the Lord. What does that mean? This means that they they serve God from a a God-given desire with their heart and their soul and their mind and their strength. Listen, just think what could happen if our whole church membership, this might be the real church at Prospect Baptist Church. What would happen if the entire membership was devoted to carrying out the work of God in the community for the will of God? Wow. See, until I'm fully devoted to Christ with my entire being, nothing else matters. And you don't serve until you're devoted to Jesus Christ, And devotion is a relationship with God that takes over my entire life. Christ didn't come to be part of my life. He came to be all of my life. He's everything. Until I become close and intimate with him through time spent with him, ministering to him, all the other functions of the Christian life will struggle. See, I'm of the opinion and conviction that every issue is a spiritual issue. Every issue is a spiritual issue. So a full devotion to the person of Christ really is the real issue today in Christianity. But notice, secondly, we need to be devoted to the purpose of the work. What's the church supposed to be doing? Now, if you really take a close, detailed look at this church at Antioch, it just really jumps off the page at you. But until there's devotion to the purpose, to the person, the purpose don't matter. See, that's why people can attend one time a month and it not bother them. Because they're not devoted to the head, which is Christ. Because the body can't function without the head. But when you're devoted to the head, then you you want to be devoted to the purpose. And when I'm fully devoted to him, what he started and purposed for us comes alive in me. Well, I'm thankful for the presence of the Holy Spirit that makes all this possible. So let me see if I can outline this for you and explain The passage tells us that this church in Antioch had five distinct teachers or leaders, and they were very detailed in their responsibility at the church at Antioch, which really outlines for us what the purpose of the church is all about. I'm just going to go with them in order, and I hope you can see the progression. The first one is Barnabas. So the first purpose of the work of church is encouragement. Why do we meet? Encouragement. Edification. To be challenged by the word. In that church at Antioch, Barnabas, he's called, in other passages, the son of encouragement. And Barnabas taught the people at Antioch to encourage all those that were around them. All those. Do we understand how important it is to encourage people? Do you understand the impact that we had on these three people here tonight? Get a health problem and see how discouraging it is. Encouragement is so important because discouragement is running rampant right now in Christian circles. I mean, it's running rampant in the... But the more involved and the more you allow Christ to be Lord of all, the more of a battle that you're going to be in because a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ is going to have a, and I'm going to teach on this all through VBS, and I pray, that I'm preparing the sessions now, I pray that you'll come and sign up and come. But the more that you allow Christ to be Lord of your life and the more you get closer and intimate with Him, listen the bigger battle you're going to get in and the more opportunity there's going to be for discouragement. Because when you get on the front lines, that's when the enemy strikes. I mean, there's already been criticism on social media about Monday night. I expected it. One person said on a website, they said, uh, or on the Facebook page, what are they trying to do? Take us back to the 1930s? And the Lord wouldn't let me reply. I mentioned to miss, me, she just said, no, don't do that. Don't mess up what God did. It's a good word, isn't it? I want to reply, no, we're trying to take you back to 33 AD where Jesus Christ of Nazareth changed people's lives. We're trying to go 2,000 years back, but I didn't do it. But folks, listen, encouragement. Who are you encouraging? That's what the body of Christ is for. So encouragement is when you sense someone around you is losing their confidence, not losing their faith. They're just losing their confidence and courage from Christ. So we come alongside that person and help them and pray for them and edify them and and build them up. It's like we need to prop people up from time to time. Listen, in Jesus' name, if you know they had to do this with Spurgeon all the time. I mean, Spurgeon would would preach in the a.m. and go home. He'd he, he struggle with depression, and he, he would get in the bed, and he would just stay in the bed all day long, and they would go, Sunday afternoon, it was time at the Metropolitan Tabernacle, and he wasn't there. And they went to his home, and they said, Spurgeon, what's wrong? He said, I can't get up. I'm depressed. And they got him up and got him ready and dressed him and took him to the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And he would stand in the pulpit, and something would take place, somebody from another world. We got to encourage each other. Dear God, don't tear people down in here. Build them up. Edify people. It's when you sense somebody around you. But listen, encouragement cannot happen if you're not assembled together. That's why we're here. One of the purposes that we're here and we're all in the battle of our lives spiritually. I'll just tell you this, we'll we'll be down at the council again soon. Uh, because we're, we're, we're trying to amend an ordinance of the drag queen shows that, that children cannot attend any story hour or anything like that. It's coming. I'm just telling you, it's coming. Yes, and we need to we, we, it, it, listen. I said this to somebody today. I believe Monday night did as much for our church as it did for our community. Yeah. For us to get together for the glory of God. Were you not encouraged? If you were there, were you not encouraged, man? Yes, sir, I liked old Bramlett when, when he went. That's awesome. Encouragement. Notice secondly, then we got Simeon who was called Niger, exaltation. Now this was probably the man that carried the cross of Jesus Christ to Mount Calvary. Now he's a teacher in the church at Antioch. Can you just hear him teach a Sunday school lesson? Could you hear his testimony? (laughs) I saw him. I was there I I saw him carrying the cross and I, I saw his body get weak and I saw him fall to the ground and a Roman soldier got me and said carry the cross and I thought dear God he's worthy he's worthy to do it and he said I began to exalt him as I carried the cross and I praised him and here's what his ministry was in the church keep exalting Jesus Everything he did, he would teach them, keep exalting Jesus. Bring God the glory he deserved. He said, I walked with him to the cross. He suffered for you. He died for you. He resurrected for you. Keep exalting Jesus. Prospect Baptist Church. Keep exalting Jesus. Then you got another teacher. Lucius of Cyrene. This was the brother of Simon of Cyrene. Simeon, after seeing Jesus, went and told his brother about Jesus and what he could do in a person's life. Listen, evangelize. This is one of the purposes of the church. It's not the only purpose. But we've got to keep telling people. We've got to keep telling people. We have to keep evangelism, sharing the gospel. Why are we so afraid to share the gospel? I don't think it's a lack of training. I think it's a lack of truth. I mean, when when I got converted, nobody had to teach me to tell people Jesus Christ changed my life. Jesus Christ become my life. I'll tell you what the issue is, there's so many lost people in the church that need to be evangelized. But we got to keep the gospel on the forefront. As we encourage, as we exalt, we evangelize. And then, this is an interesting manian who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, equipping. Equipping. This man would teach how important it is to equip and disciple people that are saved. I'm just thinking of one. That this was two that were recently baptized. The rummage girl and then Jade. Listen, let me tell you how important it is for some of you ladies to get around and build a relationship. Here's what the Bible teaches. Do we practice this? Probably not. But here's what the Bible teaches. That the older are to mentor the younger. That's what Mannion would teach in the church. How are these young people supposed to know how to you know, kids don't come with a manual. Marriage doesn't come with a manual other than the Bible. How's it supposed to work in the church? The older are supposed to come around the younger and, in, and invest in them and mentor them and, and help them. I never, Missy, Missy knows who I'm going to talk about when we were first converted. We had a couple, uh, Wayne and Francis Burkhead. Wayne was tragically killed on a mission trip. But they would, they mentored us. And then we had this really old senior adult couple. Let's see, what was their last name? Philippi. Philippi. Mr. and Ms. Philippi. Listen, Mr. Philippi could hardly make it to our, we called it training union in those days. Y'all remember those days? He could hardly make it to the room with a cane. And we sat there and he told us. Miss Philippi had a they've been in heaven for years, probably 30 years, 25 years. I'll never will forget what she said. Missy, what'd she say? <laughs> she knows it. I was, you eat your ice cream it melts. That's it. You better eat your ice cream before it melts. I knew, I want to see if she knew. I really did though. I knew she would know. But Miss Philippi, in our discipleship training, in our equipping time, we had uh, what was called. Um, source of light. Say it again. Source of, light. source of light. Now I did forget that one. <laughs> I didn't forget the other one. We had source of light material, and what you they they'd give it to us on Sunday, and they would say now. Monday through Saturday, I want you to go through this. I want you to read the scripture. I want you to answer the questions. And you would mail it in. And they'd mail you back the next one. No. Nope. Miss <laughs> Philippi. Miss Philippi would give it to us. They had a mailbox in the foyer. Okay. Like I said, they had a mailbox in the foyer. <laughs> See, that's the reason she's here tonight. Anyway, the point is... So every Sunday afternoon, we'd get in this discipleship class with 85-year-old couple. And she'd say, did you eat your ice cream this week? Did you do your source of light? And she said, yes, I've I got mine, and I've got it in the mail. And I said, "Miss Philippi, I didn't do mine this week. She said, Son. You better eat your ice cream before it melts. I'll never forget it. That's what this man taught. That's what he taught. Equipping people, making disciples. Then we got Saul. What in the world? He taught to engage. Saul, better known as the Apostle Paul, engaged more people. In the work of the church, than anybody you'll ever read in the Bible. I mean, what what he would do, he would would prepare preachers and then he would plant churches and he would, like, he would leave Timothy here, he left Titus at Crete. So he would teach people engaged. He wrote the pastoral letters about the church being engaged and, and engaging makes such a difference. And listen, God has given every Christian at least one spiritual gift for you and I to engage in the work of a church. Nowhere in the scriptures do we find sit, soak, and sour. No, we find you get saved, you get involved, you influence others, you grow, you mentor And at the end of your life, you can look back and say, to God be the glory, great things he has done through me, through my spiritual gift as Christ was living through me, engaging. Thirdly, devoted to the practice of the work. Let me read verses 2 and 3 again. This brings glory to God. Do you see it in the Bible? As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Well, that's not a popular thing today. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So, what's the practice? We've seen the person we're to be devoted to, we've seen the purpose. What's the practice of the New Testament church? Is it me as a believer just coming to church and doing whatever? is most attractive to me. I mean, it's not like walking down a buffet and picking and choosing. No, that's not the way God works at all. Notice the practice. First of all, it's seeking God. This is what the church is to be about. Listen, the church will get more done on her knees than she'll ever get done on her feet. The Bible says they fasted. Now fasting in simple terms, there's some technicalities to it, but in simple terms is seeking God out to to see what God would say to you and I about his divine will. I don't think you're supposed to talk about fasting while you're fasting. But I think we can give testimony after the fact. I was so burdened about Monday night, I fasted all day Monday. I said, God, I don't want to misrepresent you. Would you please intervene? There was another time I fasted for 10 days. It's amazing how your mind clears up. These people were fasting ministering to the Lord and fasting. They were seeking God as a church. And listen, this isn't hip and this isn't cool in our generation, but it's really biblical. God, what would you have us to do? God, what would you want me to do? They were seeking God as to how they should be involved in the work through the local church. They were praying and fasting to get the mind of God. Listen to what the Bible says. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said. So the work of the church is seeking God, but then secondly, it's hearing God. See, if I don't hear God, I can't participate in the real work. It's hearing God. But we'll not hear God Until we seek God. Here's a conviction I've had for many years and I believe it. I believe if my heart is pure and I'm seeking God and my motive is pure and I really want his will and not my will on any issue. I believe if, we, if I begin to go the wrong way, if I've been seeking and I'm willing to hear, I don't believe God will let me go the wrong way. I believe you'll check my spirit by the person of the Holy Spirit or by some person that's in, that speaks into my life. It's seeking God. It's, it's hearing God. And, and many are simply operating and functioning according to their mind, instead of getting the mind and the will of God through prayer and fasting. It used to be that Baptists believed in prayer. I don't say this to chide anybody, just to, this church used to be more of a praying church than it is now. We did. We've declined in prayer. It's natural if you're not intentional. It's seeking God. It's hearing God. Thirdly, it's obeying God. They just simply obeyed what God had revealed through prayer and fasting. You say, what's obeying God? It's, It's responding to the revealed will of God through the process of praying and reading the Bible. Obeying God is not me doing the best I can do. It's not me determining what I'm going to do for God. Obedience is the result. And so here's what the Holy Spirit said. I want Saul and this one to go on a missionary journey. You see, from God's point of view, is a success of a church its seating capacity or its sending capacity? And by the way, let me tell you this. They sent out the best they had. There wasn't a greater Christian in the whole bunch than Saul of Tarsus, that God he changed his name to Paul. I mean, I'm sure people love to hear him preach. The Holy Spirit said, I want him. And him to go. I'll say this and I'm about finished. If God continues to bless our church, and I pray he will, there'll be a time that we'll need to send some people to a different location. Y'all hearing me? There'll be a time and I I look forward to the challenge. But what if God said, hey, I need you to send 50 people 10 miles down the road to plant a church? I think it would be awesome. Are we really, really, really willing to give God the glory that he deserves by being devoted to the work? Amen. Hey, let's have a time of prayer tonight for this church. That this church would be devoted, that I would be devoted, that you would be devoted to the work of the church. This altar's open. Your chair can be an altar. Just get with God and pray concerning the truth that we've heard tonight. Let's pray together.